I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Look Sports Media Championship podcast. This week it's hosted by myself, Seb, and I'm delighted to be joined by two members of the team. Firstly, Chris, how are we doing? Yeah, not bad. Been a while since I've been on a podcast with you, Seb. It has. It's been a, been a long time. Uh, we have done a couple of league ones together, but first time we've been together for the championship. And I'm also joined by Jay. Jay, how are we doing? I'm all good, mate. I'm all good. Excited to get going. Good, certainly. So, me as well. We've got lots to talk about uh, in this week's podcast. We'll be covering uh, the three championship results, talking about uh, the various talking points from those respective games, and also all the drama and action from the FA Cup results involving the championship sides. And I think, without further ado, we, could, we should get straight into things. Uh, we'll just start off by uh, just giving it a couple of the FA Cup results. So, it finished Bristol City nil, Forest nil, Wednesday one, Coventry one. Chris, I'll come to you. This is the probably the, the the result no one particularly was surprised by in that Leicester three, Birmingham nil. What are your thoughts yeah. on that one? I mean, it's no secret that the league title's gone already. I think it's undeniably that Leicester are winning the league. So, and Birmingham have just threw themselves into massive trouble and they've done it to themselves. They did it to themselves last time they did this when they sacked uh, Gary Rowett for Gianfranco Zola. And it, now it's happened again and they're in the relegation fight, almost like last time. Um, so, Birmingham, if they go down, they, they fully bought it upon themselves. Jay, are you uh, surprised at all that, that Leicester won? You know, a, a lot of the time, sometimes when bigger teams are in cup competitions like the FA Cup, perhaps they might rest a couple of players, perhaps their intentions might be on, on the league. Are you surprised at all that a lot of first-teamers did feature for the Foxes? No, not at all, mate. I think I think they got one foot on the trophy. One foot, one hand on the trophy now. So, um, I think... They're more than halfway there. And against the Birmingham side, who, let's be honest, are probably one of the weakest teams at the moment in the league, I was not surprised at all. It's just good to give them a... Obviously, you want the experience on the pitch, but give a few youngsters a run out as well. So, yeah, I fully expect it from Leicester. Yeah, and we'll just go back to the result. I quickly mentioned in that it finished Wednesday, Sheffield Wednesday won... Coventry one off. So this just came days after they played each other in the league at, at Hillsborough. Chris, it was always going to be sort of the same again mentality. Did you expect a, a draw in the cup or were you expecting Coventry to get uh, an, another victory against the Owls? I didn't expect a draw. I think with what happened in the league, 
commentary had such an extra motivation to just go after Sheffield Wednesday, all guns blazing, you know, and I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the tweets that commentary have been putting out there about matches in the league recently. I think it was after Sheffield Wednesday, they said another cup final won after beating Sheffield Wednesday. So to actually have them in the cup and then draw after saying that is sort of shooting yourself in the foot a bit with, with that tweet, but Sheffield Wednesday will probably take it as a victory, but then having a replay while you're in that position isn't good for Wednesday while they're trying to get out the relegation zone. No, certainly not. Um, and uh, Jay, I'll come to you. Probably the surprise result of the weekend in terms of, well, uh, both across the whole results and, and this particularly involves a championship side, and that the result finished Ipswich 1, Maidstone 2. How much of an impact do you think that will have on Ipswich's promotion push? Um, I've been a I've been a big talker of Ipswich. I said they're going to do it. I'm not going to like you. I, I, the playoffs are going to be there, but I think they're going to they are going to bottle it big time. When you have got teams like Leeds, Southampton chasing them, but the thing about that game I noticed was for the first 15, 20 minutes, even the first half, it looked like it looked like Ipswich are going to pop them about six or seven. And then obviously Maidstone came back into it, yeah, but it's not looking good after you've just lost to Maidstone, who are what National League South. And then you've got teams like Southampton, Leeds chasing you. Yeah, it's not looking good for them at the moment. Chris, I think, were you were you surprised at all? Yeah, go ahead. Um, it is a surprise, but then at the same time in the FA Cup, you can't really be too surprised by it at the same time. With you know, these are the moments that the FA Cup is for. And like Jay said, with the likes of Leeds and Southampton chasing especially as Southampton are top of the form table in their last six. So Ipswich can now have full attention on the league. And while we're talking about the form table, Ipswich is 16th in the form table in their last six. They've won just one game in the championship. So it is a case of the wheels have... They've not fallen off slightly, but I think the brakes have been hit on Ipswich's season and complacency is starting to creep in, or the quality of the teams around them is catching up to them. Do you think it's a concern in the fact that during the match, Maystone had shoot, shoot two shots, two goals, Ipswich, 38 shots, no goals? Is that a concern? Yeah, it is, but at the same time, stats only tell one side of a story. It's all well and good having 38 shots on goal, but where are those shots coming from? 13 of those uh, were on target, but even that, you know, to have 38 in, in total and only 13 on, on target, that's about a third of shots on, on, on target, sort of properly testing uh, the, the, the Maystone defence. Uh, JDC... Ipswich coming back from this, you know, we, we've spoken about in the past couple of weeks, they have been a bit shaky. You've just said uh, moments earlier that you don't quite see them, you, you don't quite see them pushing for the, the top two. Currently sitting in second, Southampton one point behind them. How do, how do you see the next match going? Uh, I don't know, mate. It could go one of two ways. It's either their... Um... They're going to get riled up for this now. They're going to think we've just been in, like, no disrespect to Maidstone, but they've been embarrassed by Maidstone. And so they're either going to come fighting or it's going to be another show where, like Chris mentioned, are the wheels falling off? So for their sake, I hope they do do it. But like I've mentioned, with Southampton behind them, <laughs> nah, it's not. I don't think it's looking good for them at the moment. Are you, uh, are you confident in Southampton? Very. I think I think Southampton are. Uh, um, when Russell Martin went in, Russell Martin went in there. I was a bit sceptical. I was like, yeah, he's he did all right at Swansea, but can he really do the job? But he's got that team firing, and I feel like I feel like Southampton have got a good group of players that, like, maybe aren't. Proven Premier League players, but are 
more than well established at championship level. So yeah, I think that's going to push. And they got experience at the end of the day. So yeah, I think they'll push them through. Yeah, and, and that experience. Oh. Not not a fan of Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> Seb, Seb just knew I was going to come up with something completely outrageous. Then. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I was was quite shocked. Yeah, uh, well, that that Southampton result got them. Uh, they got a, a draw away at Watford. Uh, in terms of maybe a result that people weren't surprised to see at the weekend was uh, the uh, reunion of is that a word. The reunion between uh, the two German managers in uh, Jurgen Klopp and uh, the Norwich manager, Chris, uh, Liverpool 5, Norwich 2. Were you surprised by this at all? Only really by Norwich getting a couple there. Um, They've not looked the greatest of sides a lot of this season. It's come together for them now, but... There have been times where they've just struggled in front of goal and been absolutely woeful. So to get two at Anfield, even though they've been knocked out and conceded five, it could be massive motivation to push on in the league. You know, they're, they're creeping up on the playoffs. They're only two points behind Coventry now. And that that's huge when a few months ago we were talking about, does David Wagner still have a job with Norwich City? Yeah, I mean... Norwich, you know, they're, they're sort of, well, they've got history in, in recent times in, in being uh, that sort of yo-yo team, you know, doing well in the Championship, get promotion to the Premier League, but then not doing well in the Premier League to, to come back down. What do you think to their, their season so far? In As you said, currently sitting ninth, just a couple of points away from the playoffs, but there are a lot of good sides, good quality sides in and amongst there. How, how do you think their season has gone so far? <laughs> It's been a mixed bag, plain uh, like plain and simple. And when you think as well, they're the same as Coventry. Co- both of them and Coventry were sitting very low in the bottom half of the table a few months ago, and now they're both well. Coventry are in the playoff places currently, and Norwich are creeping up on them. And I think it just shows with this league that no matter where you are in the table, you could be a dark horse. Um, Within reason, of course, you can't be, say, where Huddersfield or Birmingham City are right now and then go push for the playoffs and be in the playoff final at the end of the season. That That's not going to happen. But if two teams who always seem to be... Well, one team who always seem to be dark horses is Coventry. And Norwich have shown this season that no matter how hard things are, they can come back. And they've well established themselves in the middle of a pack and... Next season, next season they could be building towards automatic promotion. Next season, Jay, what about you? How, how do you think Wagner's done so far this season with Norwich? I think he's done a. I think he's done a good job. Like Norwich's team is, it's changed quite a bit since they first came back into the championship. But yeah, I think I think the main thing for Norwich now is they just need to keep picking up. They need to hold on to Jonathan Rowe. That's the first one. Hold on to him because he's the one that's firing at the moment. And like looking at the table, if they can stay in and around ninth, eighth, seventh, and then hope to push in, then yeah, I think Wagner's done well though. I like him. He's a good manager. Yeah. So so fell fell to defeat at Anfield at the weekend, but they'll be hoping to bounce back in the league. And then the final uh, FA Cup fixture regarding uh, Championship side. Hit the headlines for all the wrong reasons at the weekend, and that was the match between West Brom and Wolves, where crowd trouble stopped the match for 38 minutes, uh, and there was a little break in play as a result of disorder in the stands at the Hawthorns. Uh, Jay, what do you think? Did you watch this? What, what do you think to it? Do you think it was necessary? What are your sort of thoughts and feelings around the disorder? Were you surprised? You know, we, we know it's gonna, we know it's a derby. We know it's gonna be we're heated. Did we quite expect this? No, not at all. I was actually in the gym, actually on the bike watching it. But um, yeah, they, I don't know. I'm seeing loads of reports. Some people are saying, like, obviously, I don't know how much this is true, but some people are saying that there were Wolves fans in the home end. 
and they were celebrating and some people and it seems to be that the nearest stand to the Wolves fans was the stand that like started it all when it started kicking off. But don't get me wrong, I'm all for a rivalry. I'm all for a bit of hustle and bustle on the pitch. But when you've got a middle-aged man getting glassed and he's blood all pouring down his head having to be carried by stewards, it's a bit too far. But I'm, like I said, I'm all for a rivalry. But in terms of on the pitch, really... Um, West, I don't. I don't think West Brom really got into. They did all right, but I don't think they got into the game. And Gary O'Neill with Wolves at the moment, he's doing wonders. So yeah, I'm not so. I'm not surprised that it did kick off, but I'm surprised to the extent it kicked off. Just, just want to comment on that as well. Um, Gary O'Neill at Wolves. I know we're coming away from the Championship a bit there, but when that appointment was made. Wolves became my favourite for relegation this season. Prove <laughs> me wrong, Chris. He has Proving completely surprised me. Proving but wrong. at the same time, his Bournemouth days were... His sacking from Bournemouth was undeserved as well after keeping him up last season. Massively. Uh, Chris, what, what were your thoughts uh, in terms of uh, the action on the pitch at, at the Hawthorns? Um, yeah, I have to agree with Jay. West Brom didn't really look like they were in the game at all, and which isn't good to see from your players when you're in a rivalry like that. Um, I can't think of the last time we saw Wolves West Brom in a competitive game. 12, lonely 12 years ago, it was 12, Is it 12 years, years now. Yeah. Um, so when you've got players that don't look invested in a game like that, you have to be worried about the players you have on the pitch during that time, don't you? And not so much their dedication to the club, but almost passion, I guess, is the word you'd be looking for. Is it actually there? I, I don't want to dwell on this too much, but it's, it, it did hit the headlines across the weekend. Um, what are your sort of thoughts on uh, away fans getting tickets in the home end? Because uh, if, if reports are to be believed, you know, this is well, it's thought to be one of the one of the, the contributing factors for the crowd trouble at, at the Hawthorns, but uh, I'll come to you Chris first, sort of what's your, your feelings over um, away fans buying tickets in home ends of stadium? I don't really know why you do it, like you're obviously going there for one reason, you're looking to start a fight and it's just not needed because you're not going to get that match day experience sitting in the opposition end. So the only thing you're going to look into do is try and rile someone up and create a fight. That's all it is. Jay, do you agree? Uh, to an extent, like, obviously, I'm a Brentford fan, and in London, whenever we play a lot of the big clubs, you do see opposition fans sitting in the home end. I'm not, obviously, I'm not a I'm not against it to the fact that, like, like Chris just said, if you're if you sit there and you like understand where you are and where you're sitting, then that's a problem. But yeah, like Chris said, if you're going in and sitting there and looking to cause trouble, then and I think it's a bit I think it's a bit stupid at the end of the day because I don't know what the capacity of the whole force is, but I don't think you're going to be able to take on 20, 20 30 thousand people. But yeah. Um, I've got no problem with it if you just don't, if you just stay quiet and don't rub it in people's faces. But like, like the Wolves and fans in the West Brom end did, yeah, it's not a good look. Because it, it is a, a case for for a lot of sides. You know, they might have been given a restricted uh, away allocation, so their only opportunity to go and watch a match live is to sit in the home end. So. I guess if you were respectful, as as you said, Jay, if you were respectful, if you kept quiet, perhaps if you did wear a shirt, you know, you zipped it up so it wasn't unsure, you know, you didn't overly celebrate a goal if, if your team scored, you know. I personally don't have a problem with it as such, as long as, you know, as, as you mentioned, as long as you are respectful. What I do sort of um, don't quite understand is... is in terms of derby games, in terms of what we saw at the Hawthorns, in terms of I think clubs should be be a lot stricter in terms of letting 
uh, well, they don't know that away fans are buying hall tickets, but you know what I mean? Sort of maybe perhaps checking addresses or, or things like that um, for, for anyone that, that does sit, sit in the home end, um, just so they've got a little bit more re- regulation on, on, on things. But it is interesting because uh, it, it's thought that that is one of the reasons as, as to why uh, the crowd trouble kicked off at the Hawthorns at the weekend. Uh, that's the FA Cup action. We'll move on to chat about the championship results. Um, we'll come to the Huddersfield game last because that links us nicely to another topic we're going to cover. Uh, in fact, we'll start with uh, Millwall versus Preston. Chris, what did you make to this one? Yeah, I think a draw is exactly what you can expect from these two teams. Uh, two of the most inconsistent teams in the championship for me. Preston looked so good at the start of the season and picked up some form, really good form. And as soon as they lost, it just became a trend. They couldn't win after that. But at the same time, touching upon that inconsistency, they they pull off shock wins, Preston. They they beat the likes of... They've beat Leeds this season, haven't they? They've beat some of the top... Uh, at least two of the top six I know they've beaten. And then they'll go and drop points to the likes of Millwall, the likes of Huddersfield, things like that. Yeah, and for for Preston, they are only four points away from the, the playoff spot, so albeit quite a, quite a couple of places because it is it's ever so tight, you know, in and around the, the playoff uh, push in, in the Championship at the moment. Do you fancy them for a late surge, you know, make that last spot in the top six? No, I, I, I do think Covent, Coventry might jump, will jump above West Brom. I think Coventry are going to make that playoff spot theirs again. Um, but the way things look at West Brom as well, I think they're going to slip out the top six. But Preston are going to miss out, certainly. They're, they're too inconsistent to be in the playoffs. They need to build a bit more and address what these inconsistencies actually are because one win in their last five as well. And the teams around them actually do have a game in hand over them. Uh, Coventry do have a game in hand over them. So I think they are, they might even jump, drop below Bristol and Cardiff with, if games in hand go against them. Jay, what are you saying? Four points, six places separate Preston and the playoff spots. How do you think they'll fare? No, I don't. Uh, I've got to agree with Chris on this one. I don't think Preston um, will, like you mentioned, they're just too inconsistent. And it's it's like a flip of a coin. You don't know which Preston team are going to turn up on the day. Um, and, yeah, although they're four points off, or there's, you just look at the calibre of teams, Borough, Watford, Norwich, Hull, Sunderland, and then you've got a bank on Coventry and West Brom maybe potentially dropping out. So no, I don't I don't think Preston are gonna get in the playoffs, unfortunately. I just want to highlight those inconsistencies as well. Only the bottom five and Blackburn Rovers have a worse goal difference than Preston. Preston are currently twelfth with a minus twelve goal difference. <laughs> Well, I mean, speak, speaking of Blackburn, they they they're playing in the FA Cup at the time of recording. Uh, they went one 0 down to uh, to Wrexham, but they're currently four one up now. So managed to uh, reverse the results so far as things stand in that game. But that does really sort of highlight the uh, the inconsistencies that Preston are facing currently. Uh, another side just outside of the playoff position is Sunderland. And Jay, they managed a victory at the weekend against Stoke. Yeah, um, they did. Sunderland are... Uh, I like Sunderland, but I I just can't see it with them, unfortunately. I um, I think they've got a good squad. And obviously, beating Stoke at the moment, it's it was more of a must-win than could they win. Because although Schumacher's come into Stoke, he hasn't had the... He hasn't had the greatest start at Stoke, so but I think it's more of a job well done for Sunderland and just move on to the next. Chris, would you agree? Yeah, I think they're gonna be ransacked a bit. If they're not ransacked, 
before the close of this transfer window. They're going to be ransacked in the summer. Then it, it's going to be a tough job getting back to the Premier League if that happens. Yeah, so so I'll just put out the, the scorers for Sunderland. So it was Burstow with the first, Bar with the second, and then Equa with the third for Sunderland. And uh, it's Abdullah Bar with uh, a goal. And he also grabbed two assists in the game as well. Uh, three goals and four assists so far this season. And that's his best ever record. Prior to this season, he's only got one goal a season. And that was for Sunderland last season and his old club, uh, Le Havre. And, and this season so far has almost played double the amount of minutes in the entirety of last season that he did for Sunderland. He's only a young player. Uh, Chris, does this sort of emphasise uh, Sunderland's uh, trust and confidence in their youth? Yeah, absolutely. We, we know they, we know the type of talents they took on and they're making a bit of a reputation for taking these talents on and making a profit off them. You know, Jack Clark was struggling to even get game time uh, before moving there at Leeds and Tottenham. And now he's become one of the most consistent players in the championship. Um, Pierre Equal looks to be headed the same way out the exit door. All these sort of players and these are the types of players who they're going to lose. And especially if they miss out on promotion, those play if they don't get promoted, which I, for me, it's an absolute certainty that they don't get promoted because they can't even get into the playoffs. And with a squad like that, they should, they should be pushing on those two automatic promotion spots. I don't think that, that they obviously have a better squad than Ipswich. Most, most of the league does Ipswich, no disrespect to Ipswich, Ipswich's squad at all. But their squad is where they are for the work that they put in on the pitch and the results they got in the first half of the season. But Sunderland probably are the closest to the squads that Southampton, Leeds and Leicester have in the rest of the division. So they, they should be battling out with those t- three at the top, but they're not. No, you're right. Um, Sunderland have got lots of quality, lots of youth. Uh, Jay, if you were to pick uh, a player out, a, a young player out for Sunderland to go on and, and sort of be that next talent, even perhaps in, in the Premier League in, in a couple of years, which player do you think that would be? I don't know, mate. I do not know. Um, I don't know the guys now. I think the goalkeeper's quite good. I like the goalkeeper. I always feel like Sunderland have... Um, well, obviously, I'll say something they have have a good track record with goalkeepers, but obviously Pickford was there. I know he's gone through. And last time I really watched Sunderland was against Newcastle and he looked half decent there. So yeah, potentially. But when you've got when you've got players like Jack Clark who has recently been linked to Lazio, then yeah, it's gonna be a big shoes to fill, but yeah, probably the keeper. And do you think uh, they've they've obviously got uh, Bellingham at their job Joe Bellingham, do you think he he'll He's going to go on and reach the potential that his his brother Jude has. No, this, this is this is one of my pet peeves in football, right? People are holding on to the Bellingham I'm sorry, surname. I'm sorry, no. <laughs> but yeah, people are holding on to that Bellingham surname. Like, don't get me wrong, he's a good player, but he's me saying he's no he's no he's nowhere near his brother is not an insult to him at all because Jude Bellingham is probably one of the best players in the world at the moment. But I think. I think his surname carries him a long way at the moment. Chris, what are your your thoughts? Uh, Yeah. He can certainly live... I wouldn't say he's nowhere near his brother, uh, but but that's more in terms of potential. I think he can reach close to what his brother reached and well, I say what his brother has reached, he's only at the start of his career, which is such a scary thought that players that young are this good. But a, f- a move is going to be most beneficial for him. And I don't even think Real Madrid is actually a good move for him working with his brother. I think a move to the Premier League is actually what he'd need more than a move to Real Madrid because there's so much pressure that can come with moving to the Real Madrid squad. And while Jude has lived up to it, that doesn't necessarily mean 
that his brother's going to live up to that potential, to that pressure. Yes, well, I guess over time will tell in terms of where his uh, next move is at the moment. He's, he's settled in the time and we are and uh, hoping to push on for the uh, Black Cats. Uh, we move on to the to final championship game at the weekend. That this was played on on Sunday, and it was a six pointer at the bottom between QPR and Huddersfield. Um, it wasn't that exciting, I'll be absolutely honest with you. There was more yellow cards in the first half than there was shots on target in the first half. There were three yellow cards and two shots on target in the entirety of the first 45. But there was a 95th minute equaliser from QPR through Kenneth Powell. The big talking point that came from this game, though, wasn't the result and wasn't anything that happened on the pitch, more off the pitch in the fact that Sunderland got rid of, uh, not Sunderland even, that, that was our last conversation, Huddersfield got rid of their uh, manager, Darren Moore, after only 23 games. So he'd only been at the club for four months and won only three out of those 23 games. Chris, firstly, were you shocked by this decision at all? Not shocked at all, but poor Darren Moore's now being sacked from jobs he doesn't even have. Um, what does the only... You said something. You did no. You said oh, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, the only reason it shocked me is for the fact that I do not see a single manager who would touch that job with a ten foot barge pole because you're you're adding a relegation to your CV. And I'm going to be plain and simple about this. A draw is fully what I expected from this game. I think one all draw was actually on my predictions. Um, it what it was, to be brutally honest, it was a case of these two teams are just as bad as each other in the championship this season, and that that that's the brutally honest truth that QPR and Huddersfield had nailed on for relegation for me. I think Sheffield Wednesday are going to save themselves. Look, you look at the form table. Sheffield Wednesday uh, close to saving themselves. Just uh, you spoke about yellow cards and shots. The most wildest stat on this game is that both teams had the exact same amount of yellow cards as they had shots on target. Wow, it's pretty. QPR pretty had well. four, four shots on target, four yellow cards. Huddersfield three shots on target, three yellow cards. I say it's pretty impressive, but it's not exactly a record that you want, is it? Really? No, <laughs> but it it's a very strange stat to be talking about. Yes. Yeah. True. What, Jay, what, what are your thoughts seeing Darren Moore leaving Huddersfield Town after over three months? No, I completely agree with what Chris has just said. I don't think anybody would um, want to touch that job because the only way the only way I can see it is if they someone comes into the job and says they've, they've, they've got a fighting chance Right, just go in there, fight it out, and then if you go down, just they have to understand that the chances are they're probably going to be in um, League One next season. But um, but the the QPR, I'm probably the wrong person to ask about QPR because I'm QPR's biggest hater. But um, they're just um, they're they're not they're not they're not the greatest team at the moment, to put it politely. And um, I think I agree with Chris as well. Maybe a bit of bias is into me, but I think that Sheffield Wednesday stay up and QPR go down. And it was just... The thing is with QPR, right? I know we're talking about Darren Moore, but the thing is with QPR is I think they've always been a team in a championship where they've been mid-table, they've been there and thereabouts. And then you bring Gareth Ainsworth in and the wheels fall off. And then they bring someone new in and then the wheels fall off. And yeah, I hate to say it, but I couldn't be happier. <laughs> the the only worry about QPR going down is the depth situation at the club currently. Um, obviously, even if a team's your closest rivals, you don't want to see their club die completely. Yeah, no, of course not. Of course not. And um, that's yeah. I think it was the Athletics said that there's, I think it was ninety three million pounds of debt QPR have where, when that was published. I can't remember how long it was. But it was from the Athletic who said that, and 
the Athletic also said there's a lot of drama backstage regarding players not being sold, like Chris Willock, like Elias Chair. And that's such a danger not to cash in on these sorts of talents while you're still in the championship. Because you drop to League One with those sorts of players, they're obviously not going to want to be in League One. Um, you're going to lose them for next to nothing. Um, but then at the same time, those are two players who really need to sort of step up for QPR this season. And they've looked, haven't looked close to the types of players they were showing potential to be. Yeah, it will be an interesting one for uh, QPR and, and what happens with them. Uh, they're not getting any better. They're not picking up that many results. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they finish the season. Just finally, we'll just... Uh, before we go for an ad break, we'll just go back to Huddersfield and um, just chat quickly about Darren Moore's successor. We were approaching the end of January, the January transfer window. They need results on the board. Jay, who do you fancy to, to come in at Huddersfield? Well, I don't know. We we had a we, we had a little chat before and. A few names were mentioned. Rooney, Alex Nil, the Portsmouth manager. Out of them names that were mentioned, <laughs> if they appoint Rooney, I think this is a absolute... I don't know what that club's, what's going on in that club. So, out of the names that have been mentioned, I think Alex Nil makes the most sense. Yeah, he didn't... He didn't... He didn't have... He doesn't have the greatest record, especially with his last job, which, for his sake, I'm not going to mention too much, but... I think he's the only, like I think Chris mentioned, that he's the only one that is currently out of a job at the moment that you can see going there. So, yeah, probably Alex Neal for me. Yeah, the, the, the names of managers who are out of work at the moment are just far too high profile for Huddersfield. It's either Alex Neal or another Neil Warnock heroic return for the millionth time. Yeah, uh, well, uh, yeah. They need someone to come in and sort of get them out of this predicament. Interesting, last year was the first year in the entirety of the club's history that they had three managers in charge of one season. And it's the exact same thing has happened the season after as well. Uh, we're going to be taking a short break, but we'll be back with more championship talk after this. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome back to the Look Sports Media Championship podcast with myself, Seb, joined by Jay and Chris. We've just finished talking about all things FA Cup and the championship results from the weekend as well. We'll move now to focus on the transfers, both ins and outs, that involve clubs from the second tier. And we'll start with... I, uh, a very recent signing in terms of Ipswich and their signing of Wimbledon striker Ali Al Hamadi. 17 goals in 29 appearances for the Dons so far this season. Jay, are you surprised by this? What, what are your thoughts by the signing of Al Hamadi? I think he's a great player. Um, I've got a bit of a soft spot for FC Wimbledon and I like to like look at what they're doing and 
he's always that number. He's a he's a main man at the end of the day, isn't he? And he's a he's prolific to say the least. But I think it's a good signing. But I just feel like Ipswich are signing like a lot of Ipswich have a lot of depth, right? We know that they've. I just think they're signing a lot of players. That is he better than the strikers they already have at Ipswich? How much of because obviously the strikers that they've got at the moment have gotten this far. So is he really better than the strikers they got? But clearly the manager's got a plan. He's seen something he likes. And he's quite physical as well. So I, I'm sure he will add something to the Ipswich squad. And let's see if he can push him over the line. Yeah, I, th- I think Ipswich was the best destination for him. We, we knew Ipswich was signing a striker. There'd been talks of the transfer budget being boosted to sign a striker this window. And players like George Hurst have picked up injuries, so they need cover. And I've got to disagree with what Jay said about not really seeing uh, why because of the depth. Um, one of the key signing, one of the key things you look for in a sign-in who's not going to go straight into the first team when you have a lot of cover in that position is you're going to look into almost motivate the players you already have at the same time. And players like players need a challenge, especially when you're a striker and you're banging in 30 a season sort of thing, then you're going to get complacent. You're really danger. uh, You're in serious danger of getting complacent and thinking my spot's safe in this team. No one's touching my spot, that sort of thing. And that's where the goals stop coming. And then you leave your club in trouble. Um, One of the key examples I can think of that, a player coming in to challenge someone, isn't actually championship. It was Ramsdale going into Arsenal, who didn't go straight into the first team. Uh, He sort of came in and he panicked Leno a bit that he was coming for his spot. And that's when Leno started to drop in quality a bit, and then Ramsdale got the number one spot. So you're almost testing the players you currently have. You're testing whether they can actually deal with competition for their starting spot. And unfortunately, it's starting to seem like a lot of players can't, but hopefully the strikers at Ipswich can, and you're also going to be hoping they can coexist. You mentioned there about uh, Hurst being injured, Ladapo has been loaned out uh, from Ipswich. Do you think then he comes straight into the starting eleven, or, as you said, sort of being, being used as more of a bench player to um, maintain that, that high energy, that high quality uh, for the rest of the squad? I think with, with the current situation at Ipswich, as well as his record, he, he's got to go straight into the starting eleven. Um. I don't think you can sign a player halfway through the season who's scored that many goals for his club and not start him in his in the very first game. Yeah, Jay, we, we spoke about that record. 17 goals in 29 appearances. How do you think of fair with, with that step up to uh, a different league in, in the Championship that he's never played in before? Yeah, I guess it will be challenging for him, but Although he has stepped up from League One to Championship, he's going to have better players around him and he's going to have players who have that bit more quality who can... They've obviously got that um, that Sarmiento now, don't they, from Brighton. So he's got them sort of players around him. And, like, he's he's no joke at the end of the day. Like, he's currently... Um, well, they got knocked out earlier, but he he's currently at the Asian Cup. So... He's got potential, and the only the only point the only, I, I raise that point because I completely agree with what Chris has said. But I think that my biggest worry for Ipswich now is a although they have had a dip in form, is the is there being unrest now? Because like we, I'm sure we agree that he has to come in and he has to start because you can't score that many goals and do that. But now I think it could work in the opposite way where other players are looking around and thinking, he's just come from League One. I know he's scored a lot of goals. I've been here all season. But 
yeah, I guess it's something that the manager will have to sort out. But yeah, I don't. I'm. I think he's more than ready for the step up. Perhaps he's a a different sort of player, Chris. If you think to let, let's take Connor Chapman for example, who has uh, played striker for for most of the season for Ipswich, it brings that different sort of presence, doesn't it, Al Al Hamadi, to what Chapman could bring? Do you think then this is a, a different sort of option that uh, Ipswich can add? To their armory, if you like. Yeah, it certainly gives them the room to test out different things in the league because I don't know whether it's a case of they've tried something different and it's just not working or that they've been figured out by everyone else in the league. But something ha- has to change at Ipswich to even think about holding on to those automatic promotion spots, but as, as Jay said earlier, I, they're not holding on to it. Um, Southampton and Leeds, their form is just too good at the moment. So, it's a, it's an option to tinker with the team almost. I don't, don't think they're going to drop out of the uh, playoff places, but if they are, if they have that comfort where they're safe in that space in the top six they can spend the rest of the season maybe trying to find a a new kind of system that works for them and centre that around El Hamadi almost because he is certainly a sign in that you'd want to centre your team around and uh, just just finally on on Ipswich do you think this signing uh, do you think we'll see an outgoing as a result so we've already got Jackson we've already got Broadhead signed Al Al Hamadi there's already Connor Chapton in there you know, four players. I know Chapman's been playing more, more of a cam in, in recent weeks, but he is a, traditionally a striker. Do you think we'll see one of those players leave? I don't think we see anyone leave Ipswich this window. And another reason is that this transfer window has been so quiet in terms of actual deals getting over the line. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we'll move on from Ipswich to uh, Middlesbrough. And it's thought that the club have rejected a third bid from Aston Villa for midfielder Morgan Rogers. Jay, what do you think? Do you think Middlesbrough should should let him go? And do you think he'll be a Middlesbrough player come the end of uh, the window on Wednesday night? Should Middlesbrough let him go for their own sake? Uh, I'm a bit on the fence for this one. Um, For the team's basis, no, because he is their best player and like they're only three points off the playoffs, so they are more than they have more of a chance than anyone to get into that playoffs but then again, Aston Villa A if they put the money on the table will he, can they say no to that and B can you can you Tell a player like Morgan Rogers, maybe unjust him a little bit when he could potentially go to Villa and play European football. So I think they have no need to sell, but if Villa come in again and put more money on the table and Rogers turns around and says, Sorry, I want to leave, then um I don't think they've got any choice but to let him go. Yeah, I think I think the the owner, uh, Steve Gibson, has said that he's not gonna go for less than his valuation, which is thought to be around uh Twelve million pounds, Chris. If he does go to Villa, the amount of quality that, that Villa have, both in the first team and you know within within the rest of the squad as well, he'll not, he's not going to get that much game time. Game time, is he? No, and it, it's it's a really strange one because while he is a good player, uh, getting into the team at Villa straight away would be a difficulty. So our middles is that our Middlesbrough just holding out for a loan back, maybe. Um, but you've raised a really good point because about two weeks into the trial, I think it was after the first bid, uh, Unai Emre said that he'd only be signing players for this window that would instantly improve his squad. So, so does that make out that he's if if they do sign him, he's going to go straight to the team? I'd like to agree with you, but at the same time, especially with European football on the cards, um, I don't see how he gets straight into that Villa team, especially with 
what they've built this season. I, I agree. I, I think, you know, you just off the top of my head, Tielemans, McGinn, Kamara, uh, Douglas Louise, all centre mid four for Aston Villa. I don't really see Rodgers coming in and, and replacing them in, in terms of the starting 11. I know he, he, he can play out, out wide a bit as well, but again, they've, they've got quality options in, in the wide areas have, have Aston Villa. So, it is an interesting one, you know, they have rejected a third bid, whether a fourth bid or even fifth bid comes in. Um, well, all the time will tell. Uh, we've, we've just a matter of days until the window. We'll move on to chat all things about Swansea. Uh, we've got an incoming and an outgoing for the Swans. We'll start with the outgoing and uh, Yannick Balassi has left the club after a short-term deal. Uh, Jay, I think eyebrows were raised when he first came into the club um, and was obviously joined on, on a short-term deal. That deal has finished, not been extended. Uh, what do you make to his time at the club? Uh, when he first signed, I, I, I had to double-check my phone. I had to check that it was actually Yannick Balassi. I think it was, at first, I thought it was a PR stunt. I thought, get a few more eyes on the club. Yannick Balassi's back, but... He was all right. He was never going to be the player as at Palace. We all knew that, even when he, even when he went to Villa. But um, yeah, it was. I don't know. I don't want to sound harsh, but it was quite average. And obviously, he's getting on a bit now. He's getting a bit older. Don't get me wrong; he still has the quality. But yeah, I think, I think he did as well as people expected him to do, and I don't think he shocked many people. I think that's a, a valid, yeah, a valid, uh, valid account from that. Uh, and to, well, you'd imagine to replace Belati, they've uh, made their first signing of the January window, and that's to bring in a 22-year-old winger, Ronald, from Brazilian club Gramino Anapolis. Chris, what do you make to, to that signing of the Brazilian winger? Not had stats wise from what I've seen, he's not had much impact on the score sheet. Uh, over in Brazil, I think he's had two goals, one assist this season. Uh, wrong way around, sorry, one goal, two assists, uh, in 17 appearances. But the only thing I'll say on the signing is that I've not heard of any Premier League clubs being beaten out for the signing of him, and normally that's. Normally, that's the measuring stick for these Brazilian youngsters in that these big clubs are going in for them and, you know, Swansea could boast, oh, we've, we've, we've sold him on the project of more first-team football, whereas a top-six club has gone in for him, offered him, you know, stay in Brazil out on loan for the rest of the season, come back, come to us in the summer, we'll loan you out again to a championship club who could have signed you permanently in January. So, I a time will tell, and I could be proven wrong, but it doesn't seem like one who that's going to have much impact when the the goal scoring stats and the goal production stats aren't providing much while over in Brazil. And that that's no disrespect to the leagues at all, but we know it's a big leap coming from South American football to English, and that's top of the measuring stick, South America for youth. You know, you look at the quality that's don't even need to name names when we talk about South American talents coming over to Europe. Um, the only thing I'll say on Balassi as well is poor. It was, I think it was dreadful. No, no impact at all in 10 games played, no, no assists, no goals. Um, the, these are the type of stats you're looking for a winger to add to your team. Even when you're bringing in a 34-year-old on a short-term deal for no- next to nothing, um, it, it was poor. And I think after two weeks of him signing for Swansea, I forgot he was at Swansea because I just didn't hear his name mentioned once. Well, yeah, clearly lacking a, a, an impact at, at the club. Um, quickly on 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 Ronald, uh, he signed a contract until. 27 with an option for an extra year, which would see it 
uh, expire at the end of the 2028. Uh, do you think that sort of shows the fact that he is a, a long-term signing for the Swans? Yeah, he's certainly he, he'll be one they look to put into the first team. He'll probably be in the starting lineup in their next game. Um or at the very least on the bench, especially with Balassi gone, they now need to fill the numbers again. But it that that first game will be a case of how that uh, that first game will give us an insight into how his time at Swansea will be um spent, but I don't expect much from him in the first half of the season. It might take until next season to see him get going. Yeah, uh, I, I, I agree with you on that one as well. Uh, last couple of transfer rumours. Uh, one involves uh, Liverpool man Nat Phillips, who spent the first half of the season on loan at Celtic. He's been rumoured to uh, various number of clubs, Jay. Uh, where do you think he'll end up at the end of deadline day? He, the thing, he, when he came in at Liverpool, when they obviously had the injury crisis during, um, uh, I think it was a COVID season, for a little bit, or maybe the season after, he, I think he did well. And I think, obviously, he's been on loan at Celtic. Things might not have worked out for him as well. But I think... I think he might be that last thing for a club in the uh, in around the playoffs. So I think I think Leeds is the best option for him. I think Leeds are in there for him. Although Leeds have got quite a strong squad, I think someone like Nat Phillips will not only add ability on the ball, but he also adds another head in the changing rooms. So I think Leeds is the one he place he will go. But I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to a team. In and around the playoffs, because or even even one of the two teams in New York, Matt, because he's more than capable of playing at this level. Yeah, Leeds are, are one of a couple of clubs he's been linked with. Also been linked with uh, Cardiff and Blackburn at twenty six years old. Chris, do you think this move really is important for his career in order to sort of make that next step? Yeah, I think it is. Is it is it a loan deal or is it permanent? He's been linked with. I haven't actually seen. I think it would be a loan deal, perhaps with 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 a permanent. But to start with, it it would, it would be a loan deal for from from still from for Blue at the age of twenty six. Yeah, like, at twenty six years old, still being loaned out at Liverpool, it's time to move on from the club, and it's probably going to be Leeds, like Jay said. Um, see Leeds push him for a permanent into the summer. Um, he's out of contract next summer, I believe. So, yeah, I think Leeds will push for a push to sign him on loan, like you said, and then there'll be something in there, like maybe if they get promoted, he signs permanently or something like that. But it's clear at 26 years old, when he hasn't really broke into the first team for Liverpool, that there's not much of a future with the club. No, rightly, rightly said. And the final sort of uh, deal, well, proposed deal we'll look at is uh, involves Blackburn Rovers midfielder Adam Water. Now, it's been reported that the club have rejected an £18.5 million bid from Premier League side Crystal Palace for Wharton. He made his championship debut in August 2022 and has 44 appearances for the Lancashire side. Jay, do you think by the end of the window, Wharton will not be a Blackburn Rovers player? And if so, where will he be? Well, he's only, I'm sure he's only 19 years of age. So he has got the whole world at his feet. I think, I think it's not, it might be a blessing that he's, playing in a Blackburn side who are not going to get the playoffs and who are no in, in not in no danger of, I don't think, of getting relegated anyway. So, I think one money talks, right? And was it, you said 18.5 million around that. That For a 19-year-old who's playing in the Championship, that's good money. 
but I can't see them holding off for a, anything more than maybe 22, 23 million. And like I said, he's 19 years of age, he's got the world at his feet, he scored two goals this season. So, and he's going to want to be playing Premier League football. So, I don't know. Will it be Palace? Will someone else come in? Uh, but if it's, like you said, Palace are the ones at the moment who really want him, then, yeah, no reason why Palace won't get him. Yeah, so Palace are the one with a big rejected, but it's thought that Newcastle, Everton and Spurs could also be interested. Uh, Chris, were you just going to squeeze in? Um, I was going to say, we me- we mentioned Chelsea as well. Chelsea, um, yeah, that's it. I think with what Jay said, but they're not really too much in danger of uh, relegation. But at the same time, they're they're one of the worst teams in the league form wise. They're, they're bottom of the form table. Um, they're one of the only te- They're one of four teams who've not won in their last four. And they're the only other team who've not won in their last five is Huddersfield. Um, and obviously in their last four, Huddersfield are included as well, and it's Rotherham and Bristol City with them who've not won in their last four. I think one of the things holding back the deal has been there's no loan back in place. Obviously, Palace uh, need a midfielder desperately. Um, uh, Decore's out for the season. He did his Achilles tendon in November. So... If he wants first-team Premier League football, Palace is his best destination. But if he's push, if Blackburn are pushing for a loan back because there's going to be no time to replace him, especially a player like that, this window. Um, Chelsea is the best destination to get a loan back. Obviously, those sorts of clubs um, don't really see Newcastle even entering a bid with their current financial situation I think it's been mentioned a few times they're keeping a watchful eye on financial fair play and I think they do actually have to I'm pretty sure they do actually have to sell before they can make a sign in this window and don't really see Everton coming in with a bid so it's between Palace and Chelsea for me and it's Palace aren't going to get in with no loan back so I think he'll still be a Blackburn player until the end of the season and he'll probably get a bigger move than Palace in the summer. Just, just noting a couple of uh, stats from, from Wharton so far this season. So he averages 1.2 interceptions per game, averages 1.3 key passes per game, and also 2.3 tackles per game. If he does leave, which is perhaps looking likely, would he be a big miss for Blackburn? Yeah, like like Jay said, it, it's he's standing out in a team that's performing poorly. Obviously, the only other Blackburn player anyone looks at is Sammy Smotherdix, who scored twice tonight as well. So, um, I think they could really slip into that bottom half and really solidify that. They could fall as far as 20th. There's only one point behind them and 20th, and Huddersfield are only five behind them. So, yeah, I struggle to see where Blackburn would perform this season if they lost him, considering they can't even put a performance in with him in the team, uh, with him in the team now. So what what kind of performances are we going to see with Adam Water not in the team at Blackburn? Yeah, well, I, I guess over time will tell. As you said, very, very tight towards that bottom. Huddersfield currently in twenty first on on twenty uh, in twenty first place on twenty eight points, three points from safety. And then after that, such a small gap uh, in in the amongst the teams around mid table and heading up towards the playoff spots. Uh, before we finish this week's championship episode, got a quick question for either of you. Uh, I'm looking for uh, a prediction for the team that will make uh, the most and the team that will make the least signings on deadline day. So I'll come to you first, Chris, and say the team that you think will make the most. I think Leeds. 
they they've still got some areas they want to improve. Um, I know they want a left back and a centre back. I think Ben Davis has been looked at in the past in this window by them, and I, I can't remember the left back. Um, so yeah, I think Leeds will probably be the busiest deadline day club. They've looked like they've the amount of rumours that I've seen swirling about Leeds this window. I think they've been really careful who they're signing and assessing the players they are looking at really carefully. So I think deadline day will be where they swoop in. And Jay, who do you think will be the busiest club in, in the championship on the deadline day? Ipswich, mate. Ipswich. I just think the the closer we get to the end of the window, the more we're going to look at Ipswich and their... I think they're going to end up panic buying. I think they're going to think they're going to look look over their shoulder, and they're going to think, "Oh, maybe we could have someone there, there, there." Yeah. So I think Ipswich going to start to panic buy, even with what two days after the window. And who do you think will be the quietest? Jay, we'll come to you first for this one. Uh, I don't know. It could be uh, could be a lot of teams. Uh, let's go in the middle of the pack. I don't know, Bristol City. Fair enough, and Chris. Leicester. There's nowhere to improve in that squad. It's Leicester. So you don't see them signing anyone? I don't think anything will go, anyone will go in at Leicester because I just don't see that squad being improved for the Championship and save it for the summer where you really need to improve. That's, that's fair enough. That's a, a valid comment. Uh, that's the end of this week's Championship podcast. Uh, thanks to Jay and Chris and myself, Seb, on Look Sports Media. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode, but until then, we'll see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 